Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everyone. I'm sitting here in the easy chair in the living room, watching a little bit of lightning in the background. Hope everyone's doing all right out there. How are you, man? Man, it's been good. the The storms this week have been nice. Um, also, in the living room, I'm on the couch, but podcasting from the couch isn't as comfortable as it may seem or sound. But <laughs> yeah, man, that that thunderstorm that rolled rolled through it was it's quite the show. And now we got, we got the like there was that last rain shower we got after the clouds had broke. So we had like the sunset lighting and then a, a pretty good downpour next to it. it it's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Pretty good, pretty good way to end a Wednesday. A Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, Wednesday. We're winning here. You too can be winning by following us on the Twitter. Follow the show at 23Personnel, me, Spencer, at Punts Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can also find us on Instagram if you just search 23Personnel Podcast. And you can buy yourself a 23 personnel podcast t-shirt michael and i have our own now we do have that one brave soul that ordered uh i guess a few months ago now that snuck in like we we never even checked on it um way appreciate anybody that wants to 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 buy a t-shirt helps us out um and it's just you know get to rep one of your favorite texas tech podcasts uh if we can ever get Keith to put up some t-shirts or whatever for sale, we definitely have to grab one of the Dinger Derby shirts. Um, and then we also have to thank all the, the donors that contributed to um, the Staking the Plains fund that Seth put out in uh, the morning stake, I guess, last Monday? Yeah, it was last Monday. Seth just kind of... He he wanted to give us contributors a little something, and you know, calling me a contributor is pretty. That's a pretty loose term to throw around there, um, but he he always likes to do that for us, and you know, of course, pay his expenses on the site, and also give him a little something in the pocket because he does a lot of work for that site, um, hours every single day. So he just kind of threw up a PayPal up there. I think we lost one of our advertisers on staking the planes and a lot of people really came through. And, uh, I mean, that money's already in our PayPal account. So 
really, we really appreciate it. And, and we know that, you know, with everything going on right now, it's, it's harder for people to come up with extra cash. And the fact that they chose to, to send some our way is, is really appreciated. And, uh, we just didn't want to neglect, you, you know, that aspect of, of the readers of Stake in the Plains who, you know, there's probably quite a few who, who listen to this little podcast. So we really appreciate you guys doing that. Yeah, for sure. We, we, we've always considered ourselves lucky to have the, the community that we do um, that have gone from the previous site over now to Stake in the Plains that followed us um, and even picked up some of the contributors that picked up the other site <laughs> like Kyle and Hunter for, for a little bit, uh, cook Hunter cook. Um, anyways, super appreciative of the great community we have at staking the plains. And obviously those that decided to donate helped out all of us. Um, we just love having you guys around and, uh, having your, your support. So, Michael, with that, I think we, we've got some basketball. We, we, we have a little bit of everything. Uh, basketball, baseball, football, NFL, and possibly talking about playing A&M. Ooh, nice tease. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't like the idea of it, but um, let's jump into basketball first. Here comes Stevenson. With a three, good! What a shot, Kyler Edwards! Ready, doubled into three. Goins who puts it down! Already. Odiasi! Tropars it in! Got clocked down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good! Culver got the separation. Oh, big shot. Stepping up big time. Dagger. Culver with the dish. All right. So first up, the biggest news that's not really news because it happened, I guess, a couple of weeks ago now, but also wasn't ever a surprise. Uh, Jamias Ramsey officially declared for the NBA draft. Yeah, it, it sounds like he did. You know, he, he declared for the draft. He maintains his college eligibility by not signing an agent and that reserves his option to come back next year. But I mean, I just read the other day that I've, I've seen him as high as 18th. So, I mean, if you're going to get drafted in the first round, you're not going to be coming back. And remind me, 18th is right around the midpoint for the NBA, right? That's just like a this. little yeah, a little past. I, yeah. If I remember right, this is terrible. I should know this, but I think there's 28 teams in the NBA, so that that'd be a little bit over halfway point. Okay, yeah, that's us. And uh, so that's June 25th. So we've still got a ways until another six weeks. 
we know what that answer is going to be. And there can be a lot of speculation between now and then and how the draft's even going to be handled and whether or not the season's even going to be played. And if that would influence anybody in their draft pick choices. But, you know, honestly, good luck to the kid. I, I really I want every Red Raider to be successful, um, whether we get to have them in Lubbock as much as we would want them to be here or not. I mean, it's he's still going to be a Red Raider. So good luck to him. It sounds like, you know, going by what you read, he's probably gone. If he's going to be a first round pick, then there wouldn't be a great reason to, to come back. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it's been long enough. I can't exactly remember if we touched on the, the roster we may have when we had Keith on last, but you do have four incoming players in this class. Uh, I believe all have already. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Signed. So they're, they're official um, on their way to Texas Tech. The forward Chibuzi Ogbo, 6'7", 215 out of San Diego, California. Forward Micah Peavy, 6'7", 175 out of Duncanville. Former teammate of Jemias Ramsey. The guard, Namari Burnett, um, 6'3", 185 from Pro- Prolific Prep in California. And then the Juco Ford Asahi Niwa, 6'10", 210 from Clarendon down there. Was that by Waco? I, I already forgot. I don't remember. Anyways, um, so that brings us to oh and with the Russell Chewa uh, transfer that he announced um, there's also somebody coming oh it was the 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 player coming in from Wichita State Jamarius Burton the transfer and did you did you already get Marcus Santos Silva no I haven't VCU who who he committed since our last recording I think he declared oh it was a couple weeks ago too and um, he's a six seven, two fifty transfer from Virginia. Uh, averaged about thirteen points a game. Virginia nine rebounds. Yeah, Virginia Commonwealth. Sorry, VCU. The havoc. VCU havoc. Uh, not not the Cavs. Um, <laughs> but he he comes in almost averaging a double double. Man, thirteen points a game, nine rebounds, one point three blocks. So we could, you know, it looks like he's got a, um, you know, kind of a, a Tariq Owens type rim protector with a, a good chance of blocking some shots. He's, he averages eh, 1.3 blocks a game, but he's blocking shots at about 5.3% per, per possession. So that's, um, you know, something you've got to consider when you're going in the lane. Yeah. 
that and some you know some experience you know so it, it, with beards had some pretty decent success with some grad transfers obviously mooney and owens are the gold standard but uh you know he was able to get some good work out of holyfield i know i, I think we all were hoping for a little bit more but can't be too you know <laughs> I, I can't be too disappointed or anything like that but uh I think, uh, you know, Clark, we were, we didn't really know what we were getting with Clark either, but Santos Silva, I mean, this, this guy may be ready to play just right out the gate. Yeah. He doesn't have the, the height, but, or the height that you would look for in like a, a traditional five, uh, that I guess doesn't seem to be the, the highest priority for, uh, Chris Beard, although he was in the final Final two for Matt Harms, the transfer coming out of Purdue, who ended up announcing going to BYU instead of Texas Tech. Um, but with Marcos, Marcus Santos Silva, the four other incoming players, uh, sorry, five, including Jamarius Burton, you have 14 confirmed scholarships players for 13 spots, and that's not including Avery Benson or including Jamarius Burton because yeah, we're not sure if he's going to be on scholarship for his red shirt year, but even, even if you don't count him as on scholarship or, Bur- or sorry, Avery Benson, you're at 14. So you're still, you have one more that is going to announce a, a departure. Yeah. And, and, you know, scuttlebutt just kind of rumors mill seems to be Saversoff. Um, you kind of hear Saversoff or um, Nadalny. Those are the two that I kind of hear that could possibly get the um, get their scholarships pulled. Um, who knows if that's true? Who knows if there's anything true about that? And even if if it wasn't true, or if it is true, you know, maybe they still would choose to stay. That would, but that would be kind of a rare situation. <laughs> um, I don't know if if anyone other than Avery Benson would would consider sticking around after getting a full scholarship pulled. Yeah. So your scholarship players, as a reminder, would be Davide Moretti, Kyler Edwards, Kevin McCuller, Clarence Ndoli, who you mentioned may be a potential transfer, Namari Burnett, um, Avery Benson's not on scholarship, or is probably not on scholarship, uh, and Jamarius Burton. For your guards, forwards would be Andre Savrasov, again, another player that maybe with the the depth in front of him, even having been here for, you know, a year and a half now. Um, he's got Terrence Shannon, Tyreek Smith, Joel and Tomboy, uh, Chibuzo, Chibuzo Ogbo, Micah Peavy, Asahi Niwa, and Marco Santos Silva. I Looking at the depth, I, I, I think last time I said I would lean more towards Nodolny leaving, but I think your forwards... Like your forwards probably have more uh, positions to cover and about the same number of players. Um, but now I think I, I would kind of talk myself into seeing Savrasov being the one that would announce a transfer. Although it wouldn't surprise me seeing Nadolny. Yeah, I mean, especially seeing Santos Silva come on, that would make me nervous if I was Savrasov. Well, I, I mean, to be to be fair though, Savrasov and Santos Silva's games are are different. Sure, Sarasov is more of like a wing offensive threat, whereas, well, Santos Silva is also 
offensively talented. I think the biggest thing is his presence on the defensive side um, and just how successful he was at collecting rebounds at only six. I, I say only six, seven, but like you see guys like Niwa coming in at six ten, Chewa that was leaving at seven foot um, Holyfield as six, eight, but wasn't anywhere near as aggressive. Um, Chris Clark is six, six, so only an inch shorter. Again, you've got guys that have been taller than him, but haven't been as successful collecting rebounds. So, Still, one more shoe to drop, I guess. One more player to announce his intentions to transfer. Um, this this roster, though, like it's salty. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, Santos Silva, it's um, it's size. He he's a guy that we probably haven't seen since. I mean, <laughs> like like this was so long ago. I can't remember how much. Odiase actually weighed, but Santos Silva, I mean, 6'7", 250. That's, he's by far the biggest guy on the team. Uh, you know, last year, Holyfield, the, aside from Chewa, who we only saw occasionally, but Holyfield, 6'8", 230. And he, he was a pretty big dude, but this guy's an inch shorter, and he's got 20 more pounds on him. And that's how you get almost nine rebounds a game. Norris is listed at 6'8", 250 on, on his senior roster. So think of what he was able to do in the paint and how he could throw some people around and wreak some havoc, clog some lanes. This guy's going to be able to do, do just that at least. Well, and, and I would say like Santo Silva has proven to be able to do a whole lot more than uh, oh, yeah. Odiasa did. And, and we know what an integral part – he was to the Texas Tech roster a, a couple of years ago. A lot of that had to do with his personality and his role within the team. But I think if you look at stats and performance-wise, similar body types, but Sar- Santos Silva, I think, had a much more impressive resume. And that's not to say anything negative about Odiase because we all loved him and what he was able to do. Probably a just slightly more rounded player. Well-rounded. Well-rounded. It says nothing to do with his weight. (laughs) Oh, no, no, this was not. No, that wasn't a a pun. That wasn't any sort of joke. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're hearing some some whispers about talks from the NBA uh, starting maybe as early as June. Um. It would be in empty arenas at this point, um, which I think now a lot more people would be on board for that than we were at this point two months ago. Like, what's the point of playing a game if nobody's going to be there? Now we're like, just play the game. Yeah, you know, that's it's funny you mentioned that. My wife and I talked about this this last week, and we said the exact same thing because we were talking about not to jump the gun too much, but the NFL is practically kind of planning on having empty stadiums. And when that was first brought to us in the middle of March, we were just, oh, I'd just rather not have it at all. You know, the, the thought of March madness with no, with no one in the arenas just sounded terrible. 
And then now we're all just going, okay, sure. Yeah, we'll take anything. We'll take anything. Was that hopscotch? Is that hopscotch out there? Yeah. Someone film it. I'm, I'm in. Let's watch. There was a, there was a, oh, what's that game called? Cornhole with the beanbag toss. Oh yeah. On ESPN the other day. And they were like full on wearing gloves and, and face masks and everything. I was like, yes, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good social distancing game. I mean, cause you could legit. Yeah. I mean, even the, even the guy on uh, the guy that stands next to you, they don't have to stand right next to you. Not while you, and like you're, you're throwing or while, while he's throwing, you don't have to stand next to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I forget what the official distance is from, from cornhole to cornhole, but I think it's something like 28 feet. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty good, far. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty good throw. All right. With that, I think, I think we'll, we'll transition and talk a little bit of baseball. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young looks it to right field. Looking for a second home run. And he's got it. Into his own bullpen. Perhaps and some time because all the teams are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren. And into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven. All right, so I think the biggest news recently uh, this week, the MLB announced they're going to have their their draft, um, but it's only going to be for five rounds in 2020. Uh, I believe it may be shortened in subsequent seasons as well. It may like kind of expand. Um, but yeah, so only five rounds in the 2020 draft starting in July. Um, so what, what you're going to see is obviously the draft going from 40 rounds down to five. Um, this is going to create quite the backlog log jam, whatever you're going to call it of really talented baseball players staying in college um, or going to college. You know, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of high school players or as many high school players taken straight out of, um, at a high school up in the majors, especially since they haven't had their final season to be evaluated and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also I think when you cut the pool down by, you know, 90% or whatever it was as an MLB, MLB team, at least, you know, what I would assume a GM would want to do is take very few risks. You know, if I've only got five draft picks this year, I don't really want to take any kind of projects yeah it's like not not to get too heavy on metaphor but you want five home runs (laughs) that's true um so yeah so what 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 i think what we'll see is obviously a lot fewer players leaving college early um 
a lot fewer players going from high school to the MLB or sorry, not, not the MLB, but into professional baseball. Cause you'll see them, um, start off through all the different ranks of, of baseball leading in, into the MLB, the major leagues. Um, the college rosters, while they will have some room for expansion this upcoming season, won't have enough room for all these players. So what you'll see is you'll see um, the talent get stacked up, and it'll be it'll, it'll be felt. I, I, I would assume across the entire board, you'd see power five teams be stacked. Um, you'd see you know because you'd have guys like if you look at Texas Tech's roster last year. Um, Draft eligible juniors like I can't remember Killian Holt, uh, Grant Little, players like that that wouldn't project top five round remain on your team, whereas they're not on your team this year. Um, but that'll be felt across the board. So you'll have the power five, your your mid majors, where you get a, a lot of upperclassmen. Uh, those rosters are going to balloon because I think the um, the roster exemptions are good for seniors this year. So every senior for 2020 can come back as a senior for 2021. And, uh, tech had three, you got Brian Klein, uh, McMillan, and there's one more. I always forget the third one. It'll come to me in like 30 seconds, but, um, you'll see this across the board is what I'm saying from, Teams like Texas Tech um, down into like the mid-majors and then even back in, in a Juco ball where players that maybe would have had a shot on a four-year school roster, those spots are now way limited because they already have a bunch of guys on, on the roster. Um, and then you have like Texas Tech is anticipating up to 28 or 29 incoming players in this, in this class. They've got like 21 or 22 freshmen and seven ju- juco transfers connor queen's your third senior connor queen there it is see and that's that's not one that's like not productive like he's he's a productive dude i, I don't i don't know why i missed him it's a, it's cool it's cool we're getting old it's fine <laughs> speak for yourself i'm not old <laughs> um so what what you are seeing though um some guys that are are testing the, the transfer pool waters. Um, you've got four guys on the Texas deck team currently that are in the transfer portal. Three of which have played a combined 19 career games. And then you've got one player that has 41 games. So you've got your freshman catcher, Bo Willis, who played in six games this year had a 250 average, uh, infielder, Jared Cushing played five games, also had a 250 average, uh, infielder I think he's a redshirt freshman TJ Rumfield played in eight games had a 435 average um he's I mean, one small sample size but yeah sure damn it's <laughs> <laughs> still something and he, he was also one that everybody was looking forward to having a pretty powerful bat um he has a, a power five offer on the table from Purdue and the guy that I think you're gonna you're gonna feel the most out of this so far. There's only four, but is outfielder Tanner Otremba. He's the one that has the 41 games. His career average is just under 270. But I think this season, uh, while it was only you know it was a shortened season, I think he was up over 400 or over 300. It's been a second since I've looked at his uh, 
I think so too because last year, uh, early on in this in the year, he really came out on fire and uh, surprised a lot of people, myself included, and then just kind of trailed off and also was just had trouble getting on the field at all. It seemed like um, I, I don't know if he was in the lineup very much the latter half of the year, and then this year it's I, I think he I for, I, th- I thought he had an out, an incredible you know, weekend or two here and there and just in the short time that we got to see this baseball team play. And it kind of looked like he was on his way back up, you know? Yeah. He was batting three thirteen so far this year through yeah. nine games. Um, he started two games, uh, had three doubles, a triple, no home runs this year, this year, just yet was slugging six twenty five with an on base of three thirty three. So his slash line was, 958 that's pretty good with a yeah a plus 300 average and this is your one of your rotational dhs or outfielders that you get to ro- rotate in like oh good we're not seeing outfielder x today who's the sub a guy that's hitting 313 in a slash line of almost a thousand <laughs> like, oh, oh. okay yeah that'll be fine <laughs> that's fine anyways um his his presence his absence will be felt if he does indeed transfer. Um, yeah, I, I heard somebody talk about fall roster sizes for baseball. Like it may, you may see like 70 guys out there for, for Texas tech this fall when you've got to get down to 35 or 38 before the season starts, just because you've got so many guys on campus already. Um, and then you've got the nearly 30 players that are incoming. That's a lot of Rudy's barbecue. Yeah, the the um the budget for fall baseball meetings is going to be pretty high, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're going to they're going to need an extra bus. Yeah. Um Yeah, and and baseball right now is the the sport that we would be at this point finalizing the regular season. I think that's about where we are if if the season had been played out. I think you're right. I think the Big 12 tournament would be coming up pretty soon. Because the college calendars, I think, should be getting pretty close to being done, like in terms of what what their classes would be. Let's see. Roll through the schedule really quick. Is it still up there? Does it just say Mm -hmm. canceled or what? Everything is canceled. Yeah, so this will be the final weekend. Starting tomorrow, you have a three-game series at TCU. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That would have been some good baseball. Mm-hmm. You would have just played, well, last week, you had this week break for finals. Last week, you would have played at Dallas Baptist, which would have been a, a good game. You'd have, Those are the teams you've got to watch out for because, I mean, they already get good recruits, but like you were saying – those teams, you know, probably some of the guys on Dallas Baptist that are really good uh, didn't get offered other places and they maybe kind of settled. But now Dallas Baptist is going to be a prime time place. And, and, and like I said, it already is. I understand that they're a, they're a baseball powerhouse, really, <laughs> compared to uh, the resources that some of these other schools have. And. Schools like that are really, I think, going to reap some benefits from this. Yeah, I, I would I'd point to a school like Dallas Baptist, a program like that. There would be ones that would um, 
benefit the most. Yeah. Be, because they're already, they already have a, a pretty good program and not like pretty good. Like, like, like they're a really good program. One that <clears throat> you don't really like, you like to see them in the regular season cause you don't want to see them in a regional. Um, cause they're, 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 they're dangerous. You, you faced them last year. Um, and you just, you get that little, that little bit of a pucker. You're like, mm, I don't want to mm-hmm. face. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I, I, as a top five team, you know, you, you got to take your chances if you will. But yeah, uh, ne- next year teams like Dallas Baptist, I think we're going to be really stacked, but yeah, you'd be going, you'd be heading into your final regular season, uh, series at TCU in Lupton stadium. Um, and then the big 12 tournament would start next Wednesday, the 20th. And then regionals would start the weekend after Labor Day. Or Memorial, Memorial Day. Memorial Day. I, I, I always get those back backwards. Yes, Memorial Day, the 29th. Man, if only. If only. All right, well, so with that sadness, um, let's talk about some football. They go four up top. They throw the fade to Fasher. Caught. Down. With time delivered. Hand off to Marcus Fields down the sideline. Touchdown. Red Raiders. 97 yards. Harold back to throw going deep down the sideline for Robert Johnson. And oh he's, my. He's got it. Touchdown. Oh. Robert Johnson. Touchdown Red Raiders. Take a shot to the end zone. It's a touchdown to Reginald Davis. All day to throw. Over the top, Jakeem Graham. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Second down now. Deep strike. Got the big man. Country. Pulls free. And touchdown, Red Raiders. With a second to go. Let the scoring begin. All right, so I think one of the biggest things that's being rumored right now is the Pac-12 may not play a non-conference schedule this year if there's a football season at all. There have been some rumors from the Pac-12 conference that they will just keep within themselves. They'll play a conference schedule and that's it. Well, and there's also just the fact that California does not have plans for in-person college classes until 2021. So there's a chance that the entire state of California may not play anything if depending on how they follow through with that. Right. And then you, you obviously you've got three pretty big PAC 12 schools, um, in, in California, USC, UCLA and Stanford. Um, but yeah, so it's impact on Texas tech. You think why, why would it matter? Texas tech does have Arizona on the schedule for this season. Week three, this is the return trip. You'd be hosting them this year. You could possibly be losing one of your seven home games. Again, assuming that there is a season and the PAC 12 says we're not playing non-conference games. So you kind of start looking around the, the the country, uh, the different conferences like, well, who would be available? And I think everybody sees, a&M is also playing a Pac-12 school that week, and they would be without a, a an opponent. Michael, first, let me get your thoughts. What do you want to play A&M again? Um, yes and no, and and 
the reason I say no is because uh, I I don't like our chances right now. Oh no, not at all <laughs> against them. Um, <laughs> but but yes, because the whole Big Twelve thing. I think I've brought this up before. A uh, and M was was my favorite team t- to to sports hate, and now that they're out of it, I just. I just really don't care anymore. They're so far removed from like the teams I think about. Yeah, me too. I mean, aside from they'll be on TV just because we live in Texas, even though we're 600 miles away. But I I think that I would, I would welcome it. I welcome the idea as a concept, but the execution of it, you know, possibly lose by three touchdowns. That doesn't sound exciting to me, but especially with I I do miss playing A&M. That was like the biggest. I kind of miss playing Nebraska, too, because we got, you know, that was kind of a give and take. Of course, they've kind of gone downhill since since the Polini days anyway. But they A&M was really a team that when everything when they when they left for the SEC, that was the one that I that I missed the most. Missouri, all that. Who cares? Yeah, so losing by three touchdowns to a, a Jimbo Fisher offense would be a beatdown. Um, yeah, in front of, in front what, of how many? How many does the the wall of China Kyle Field seat now? A hundred thousand. I think it's up to a hundred thousand. Assuming that there there would be a, a home crowd. Well, it's whatever. I think it's whatever Daryl K. Royal is plus one or twelve. <laughs> I, I really think it's something that it's I'm, it's I'm very sure. close to that. I'm sure it is just as as petty as that sounds, and, and I, I assume that they've been looking at the Daryl K. Royal um, attendance projections whenever they're done with that, and like, okay, what what can we do to add on to Kyle Field to get back in front? Just um, make it taller. Just keep going taller. You know, you know. Eventually, like, just close it in and suspend people from the damn roof, and they can just hang over Tom Cruise MI five style and and watch. Watch the uh, watch the Giga Maggies. Oh gosh! So here's here's the thing. I in in terms of like where I think it falls in the possibility scale, it's like way way down there and like very improbable, right? Because I think both teams were scheduled for a home game. Um, I don't think it's um I, I don't think it's a situation where either team was going to want to give that up especially A&M, they have been notorious for refusing home and homes with regional teams, with like non-conference teams, um, because like it makes no sense financially for them to, to schedule a game away from Kyle Field, which makes sense, um, kind of. But also like you miss out on a lot of good matchups because you can't play a home game as many times as you want to. Sure. Um, yeah. So one, I, I, I think there would be an impasse there in terms of scheduling the game because I think, or at least I would hope that Texas tech would say, no, we're not giving up a home game just to play a and M. Um, and right now I would not want to give up a home game to play a team that is a little bit more, quite a bit more talented than you are a little further along. And they're, they're, progression um i i would i would hate to make a concession to give up a home home game to go into kyle field probably lose a you know a big game 
um, just to say, hey, we, we played A&M again. Sure. And, and we can even go back to, I forget what bowl game we ended up in where Leonard oh, Fournette just it was cleaned our bowl. clocks for 60 minutes or whatever it is. And that <laughs> was... you already forgotten how much time it's played in a, in a football game? Yeah. I don't remember. What is it? Is it 48 <laughs> for the next 48 years of our lives? Which one is it? But they had a they had the chance to put A&M in there. And of course this can be more of an sec issue than the actual school itself, but that did not go over. And of course we're a little bit more removed from the, the big separation, but I still think there's a lot of F you there from the gigum crowd. And I don't think they want anything to do with the big 12 if they can help it. So I, I would be very surprised to see that come to fruition. Yeah, so the Aggies are slated to play Colorado in College Station on that weekend. Um, so Kyle wrote uh, a piece over on Staking the Plains and published it uh, Wednesday. If you're going to look at it, we're, we'll discuss a couple more options. One of the other options he lists is BYU. Um, now, you wouldn't be replacing a Power 5 opponent for a Power 5 opponent but I think BYU is kind of on the on the the outskirts, on the on the gray area there as an independent. Um, formerly, a, what would have been a group of five, um, but they typically schedule a little bit more aggressively as an independent than uh, as a Mountain West team normally would. Um, BYU is scheduled to play at Arizona State, so you would have been in Arizona. BYU would would have been in Arizona. Sorry. Arizona would have been playing in Lubbock. BYU would have been playing in Arizona for Arizona State. Um, so the positive here that helps is that BYU is already planning on a road game for that weekend. You could possibly just say, hey, forget Arizona State. Come play in Lubbock. We keep our non-conference basically a Power 5 opponent for that week. You're on the road for a Power 5 game already. It, 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 it makes sense. Um, another option would be to schedule, uh, a game with Hawaii, um, which would also include the possibility of going out to Hawaii in week zero last weekend in August. Now, if you do travel to Hawaii, the NCAA does allow, an FBS school to schedule a 13th game. So you possibly could be looking at picking up another game if you do that. But there are very few games played uh, in week zero. The team would get to go to Hawaii, which is awesome. Um, And you'd be, you probably have a competitive advantage in this game, I would hope. And you would be in the spotlight as everybody is sports crazed to be one of the first teams back on the field. Yeah, because week zero, what, there's three games usually or three power five games, maybe something like that. And everybody's like scratching at like, show me some action. I don't even care. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is just especially now, now more than ever, they'll be dying for anything. I mean, and I think week zero is the, when they I remember um, it, it may have been Davis Webb's debut, I think, was in Australia. I think yep. at a big rugby stadium mm-hmm. in, in week zero. So I, I know that they kind of do some interesting stuff then, and that would be a, a good exposure for tech and uh, hopefully, you know, a good trip for these guys who've been cooped up for six months. 
if if travel's allowed and everything's good to go, if they can go to Hawaii after not being able to do hardly anything, man, that's sign sign me up. I'll go. Do, yeah. do they need a chaperone? Yeah, I'm 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 I'll throw my hat in as a volunteer for that that week. Sure. Volunteer chaperone. Just give me a call. I think there's a lot of uh, open space on commercial flights. I don't need to be booked first class or anything. I could I could sit in the back. I'm good. <laughs> you wouldn't ride the team charter? Uh, if, if I'm allowed, yes. <laughs> if right. I'm a chaperone, I don't know if that'd be in the budget. So there were two other teams grouped into another option and – Kyle phrases these as, as more on the, on the possible side than improbable and Utah state or Wyoming. Both of those schools have PAC 12 road games scheduled that same weekend. That would possibly be in jeopardy. Obviously Matt Wells most, most recent school head coaching stop at Utah state. Uh, we do know like in baseball, uh, a lot of the scheduling comes down to your connections and who you know and um, who you want to work with to, to make these things happen. Um, you, you you could probably get a Utah State to agree to a, a road trip out to to Lubbock, Texas, because of that connection to Matt Wells. There'd be some some fan interest, you know, whether they they liked Wells or they didn't. Um, and also, it would replace a Power Five road game for them. Uh, or if you look at Wyoming, again, had a Pac-12 road game scheduled for that third week. Um, and you were already scheduled to have Wyoming in Lubbock this year. That game ultimately got pushed back uh, to 2028. You will be going to Wyoming next year, 2021. But you could just go ahead and move that 2028 game back to 2020 um, and host Wyoming this year. I I I'm really interested in the Utah State uh, possibility, but from the other end of it, because I think about how interesting it would have been for Tech to play Washington State or to play Cincinnati, and for completely different reasons. You know, I would have wanted Tech to play Cincinnati to just, you know, trounce Tuberville's team into the ground, even though they probably wouldn't have been able to do it, or maybe they could have, maybe that first year. Uh, but then on the other aspect of it, it was kind of, you know, I, I may have been rooting for old leech against tech and in, in, in 2010, you, you know, there's, there's no, there's no telling, but that would have been compelling and I would have wanted to watch it either way. I definitely would have been interested in that. So I, maybe the Utah state guys would feel the same way either way if they were like, well, you know, Wells had to do it. It's technically a. you know a step up and everything and and then there may be the other crowd that like you know screw that guy he left uh let's let's go kick their butts or something so i that does seem like you said to to be kind of the biggest possibility of all of them they'd have to aside from wyoming because like you said wyoming Mm -hmm. was already going to come here anyway yeah they'd have to do it without jordan love Oh man, I know. And <laughs> who did he get drafted to? Wasn't it Green Bay? Yes, it's Green. That's right, because he's the one causing all the. There was a fake tweet that was. <laughs> oh, these are good. That was there was a fake tweet who claimed to be some sports guy, and it got retweeted by a bunch of sports people about Aaron Rodgers, 
you know, throwing a fit about it. And I think that just kind of took off. And I think everyone now thinks that actually happened and or they've neglected that that tweet was fake and have just kind of resided to say, well, it probably happened. Rogers it's, is it's, probably furious. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he actually is upset. Yeah, there, there's a chance he could be. Yeah. <clears throat> and then finally, I think one of my favorite options um, is just that Arizona and Arizona State just leave the Pac-12 anyways. Yeah. So the the interesting thing here is that a lot of what the Pac-12 is deciding is, I, I think, based on the California law, right? Like they, they can't move forward with collegiate athletes or athletics if they're not hosting classes, right? Like, can you have the football team on campus if nobody else is on campus? Um, and then Arizona, the state has already said that professional sports can return and play in Arizona this summer. So why would the college games not follow suit? Um, Kyle points out that their the PAC 12 grants of rights or whatever, uh, is almost up and due for, um, renewal. Uh, and this could lead to either an expulsion or just a, just kind of a, a shift again and the realignment, the Arizona schools have always been tied to the big 12 as a, as a possibility. Like if, if the big 12 is going to expand, I think they have been like targets one a and one B because you would want to grab some, some power five programs. We, we've seen what happens when you bring in a non power five is you bring them up to you. Um, Arizona and Arizona state, you've had uh, historic tied to them in the, the border conference a long time ago. Um, it, it could be a lot of fun to, to see uh, the conference realignment ball drop again and see what the Pac-12 would do then. Because I, I, I think if they're refusing to play, um, they could just get eaten alive and we move quickly into the four super conference that we've all kind of talked about for a while. Well, in the Pac-12 with, with their network woes and you know trying to get eyeballs on their games period just because of the tip uh, kickoff times i i think they may even be willing to let two teams go so that they can share more of the pot and these are teams that well and again this is because their, their state doesn't follow the um daylight savings you have to think about that too that's true i don't know how that would play in but it did in my mind for half a second. Yeah, it's we have a client in Arizona, and right now, now they're two hours behind. But then the rest of the year, they're one hour, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 different. It's hard for us to keep up with. Well, because we always yeah. have to when we're scheduled conference calls with them, we just have to flat out ask him, okay, what time is it there? <laughs> you schedule the call. We're on Central. <laughs> you you know what we're doing. You just tell us what what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that that scheduling meetings and conference calls with a organization that's two hours behind is is difficult. Our home offices are based out of Renton, Seattle, Washington. Um, There you go. So we we get a lot of those. What would be 10 a.m. conference calls for them are noon conference calls for us. Or four o'clock conference calls for them is a six o'clock call for us. We're like, you know what? Why don't we schedule an 8 a.m. central call for you guys? I want to see <laughs> yeah, you in the office you, at six. You show up, you show up, uh, and barely be ready 
and hop on this call. Yeah, we we had one with this client at an eleven a.m., which seemed good, but then it 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 lasted almost two hours. So it just went right through lunch, and you're just kind of, oh man, I'm exhausted. And they got to just go to lunch <laughs> the whole <laughs> time. I was thinking that, although that's that's not fair. Yeah, those guys are like, oh, it's it's time for us to to, to call today. Dang, it's eleven o'clock. Uh, it's eleven a.m. already. Wow, it's time, time flies. It's time for lunch. Yeah. All right. So let, let's let's turn to uh, to some NFL stuff real quick, or just no. Here you 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 did see um, or in the notes talked about the two thousand three Ole Miss replay. Yeah, yeah. I did not get to watch that. Uh, it, you can watch it now. They aired it live, I think, on Saturday at noon, something like that. But it was uh, Brian Jensen, BJ a- Simmons. Yeah, Brian Jensen, of course, if you don't know, he's he's the play-by-play guy for uh, Texas Tech football. Touchdown Red Raiders. He's awesome. I, I think Brian's great. <laughs> We're on a first-name basis, by the way. Yeah, you are. Uh, and then also... The quarterback, of course, from that 2003 game against Ole Miss was B.J. Simmons. He was on the the chat along with safety Ryan Acock. And um, that was a shootout of a game against Eli Manning uh, in Mississippi. And I forget what that's – what's that – what's that place they have? The Grove? The Grove. I kept wanting to – I was about to say the Gardens, and I thought, no, that's not right. But anyway, it was a classic game from 03. Vaught Hemingway um, Stadium. Uh, there you go. And they, I don't know if they, they must have just done kind of like a really chopped version of it because I think the video itself is only about an hour and a half. So obviously they didn't, you know, they didn't play, show all the timeouts and show any official, I don't know if there were, were there reviews in 03? I guess there were. <laughs> I don't. Not I as many. <laughs> But anyway, um, it's available on Tech's Twitter website. Uh, if if you're if you're listening to this, or if you go to Stake in the Plains where Spencer's posted the notes, I've got a link for it there, so you can go watch it now. But that seemed pretty interesting. I just have not had the chance to sit down and 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 watch those three guys reminisce about that crazy game. Yeah, and then you've got a couple of new commits for the 2021 class: <clears throat> two defensive linemen. Defensive end Charles Esters and defensive tackle Solomon Wright. The interesting, I think, interesting thing with Wright is that his dad played for Oklahoma State, um, and you you tend, or at least historically, you've lost a lot of legacies and regional guys that you think would have a tie, stronger tie to Texas Tech up to Stillwater, but you're able to pull Solomon Wright, um, and then. Seth has got the position previews still rolling. He's got receivers, running backs and tight ends and quarterbacks and specialists up there for you. Yeah. Keep, keeps, keeps it going, man. Keeps the lights on. Yep. And then some NFL draft results. Jordan Brooks went in the first round to the Seattle Seahawks. There, there were a lot of, there was a lot of talk about how he may be a first round uh, or, you know, early round talent, <clears throat> For one, I'm not speaking poorly of Jordan Brooks because he was such a integral part of this defense. I and maybe it's because I'm just so cynical of Texas Tech defense in the past decade. I didn't see it a, a first round possibility, right? Um, 
but he, he gets up there and joins um, Brandon Jackson on the Seahawk defense. Yeah, on the very short list of first-round football players and even a shorter list of first-round defensive players from Texas Tech. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jordan Brooks also drafted uh, in the fifth round. I can't remember which team he... Wait, wait. Sorry, not Jordan Washington. Roderick Washington drafted in the fifth round. I can't remember the team that drafted him, but I think he signed with the Ravens. Yeah, I'm, I'm unsure about that either, but I know that's where he ended up was Baltimore. And then some undrafted free agent signings. Travis Bruffy is with the Packers. Terrence Steele is going to Dallas. Yeah, but Jim Cowboys. <laughs> who had themselves a really good draft, surprisingly. Yeah. Like, yeah, especially since it was just Jerry on a yacht somewhere. <laughs> Which is out in Lake Travis, probably. Yeah, who knows? Terrence Steele to Dallas, Douglas Coleman to Denver, um, and then a handful of guys that were either seniors or announced that went unsigned. Madison Akamnanu, sorry, Madison Akamnanu, Houston Miller, not really surprised there. Armand Shine, Dante Thompson, and then RJ Turner. I really feel of, I mean, Shine's the guy I feel the most for because he got injured. And uh, whether he would have been drafted or not, I wouldn't have been surprised to see him sign somewhere, but I think that injury really hurt his chances, and I, I just hate that. I hate that for him. Hopefully he can still find a place on a team, though. That and, and how he was, uh, his appeal was denied or his that's right yeah was denied he, for another year yeah he got the he got the shaft a couple of ways man i mean that's that's tough that's really really tough breaks for armand shine and hopefully hopefully a team will will realize that and and see what we were able to see for those few games so speaking of of the draft and the cowboys somehow jerry jones somehow pulling a decent class together did something else actually kind of good and signed free agent Andy Dalton. It's not a bad backup quarterback, is it? Better than Cooper Rush. <laughs> Who? <laughs> exactly. Cause I, so Rush played for Boise State, right? Oh, Maybe. I couldn't tell you. Well, or I mean, one of those like, like group of five Illinois schools. <laughs> well, it wasn't the same as where Romo went, which I, I can't even remember where Romo went. Eastern Illinois. No, so there you go. Cooper Rush is with the, the Giants right now. He went Cooper? to Central Mesh, Michigan. That's where he was. Okay. Did he row the boat? I guess so. He's, yeah, that uh, seems about right. He's rejoining uh, Jason Garrett because Garrett's up there in New York. Oh, man. I forget Garrett's up there. Well, that's... That makes it even more. Ah, oh man. Now I may have to rethink this. Okay. Okay. That you mentioned you had something else under here about Andy Dalton. I did. And this was something I didn't even consider. And it was brought up. I can't remember which local show I was listening to because I'm hardly ever in the car in the middle of the day these, these days. <clears throat> but um, the way that the schedule works out, the Cowboys – and their rotation are playing all four of the AFC North teams this season. Andy Dalton played for an AFC North team. So at the very least, if he's not going to be contributing like on the field in the meeting rooms and prep, he's had more experience going up against these guys than anybody else on the team. 
you know, I mean, that's, that's a solid point. That's a, that's, that could be a part of the reason behind it. And, and, you know, he was like everyone, a lot of kids grew up a Cowboys fan, uh, obviously a Texas Mm -hmm. kid, former TCU frog. So I, I think that's a good signing in a lot of ways, but I didn't, I didn't even think about that aspect of it possibly being an advantage you know, in scheming. Yeah. So they, they play the Browns first, that first weekend in October. Um, they get the Steelers in November. Are they AFC North? I, I can't remember where they're divided out. They do the Bengals, the f- middle of December. Um, gosh, it would help if I knew my AFC North teams. I assumed you did since you brought it up. Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. When do they play Baltimore? Baltimore, they play... They play the, the game before the Bengals. They have two AFC North teams back-to-back. They have a week off or it's like a Monday oh, night dis- game or something. Yeah, the first two games in December. Yeah. Yeah, so the... Well, those are going to be interesting. Um, and so is that game... Of course, they'll play the Giants twice against Jason Garrett. Clapping against Jason, Jason Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, Sunday, October eleventh. Jason Garrett will make his way into AT and T Stadium for the first time ever as an opposing head coach. Very interesting concept. Uh, you know, I, I'm just, not scared. It seems like it seems like everything happened so long ago. I I'd already kind of forgotten that that happened and that McCarthy. Yeah, is, Mike is McCarthy. The coach. I'm like cautiously optimistic about that. I was like, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not so like the, the things that Jerry has done with the program in the past six months, like, you, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't terrible. Maybe, maybe McCarthy's already kind of <laughs> making his presence known a little bit, you know, maybe he's allowed to have some say and maybe that was a big part of it. Maybe it's more showing that Garrett didn't, didn't have any, say they didn't want any say in the draft <laughs> or whatever. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's been a really a big shift. Um, just since they, they, they hired McCarthy and then how they handle the draft and this one signing, you're just like, you know, I, I'm, I feel good about the direction they're going. Let's put it that way. Yeah. This is probably the best I've felt since they drafted, I think, was it Frederick when they drafted him? Mm-hmm. Number one pick as a center. And I was that was the year they really needed some offensive line help. And I thought, and they loaded up on offensive line that year. I know. I was like, guys, this is <laughs> this holy crap. I'm excited about an offensive lineman. And then DeMarco Murray just like ran over the league. I think not, maybe not that season, but the, the following season you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Good job guys. Way to, way to go. <laughs> and they getting there. They've been able and to then somehow of- got completely rid of wide receivers. Just, just yeah. got, just decided we don't need them at all, and then you know what we do. You know, well, as a matter they, of fact, they like we do. went, they went like the route of drafting like regional unknowns. Like, what do you stop? <laughs> They're good yeah. guys out there, and then you know that's so they have um, the guys they have now. Obviously, the the big one from Alabama that I'm blanking on, Cooper, Cooper, Amari Cooper. Like, I was so excited when they signed him. I was like, dude. You got a, you got a, another receiver threat after you cut Bryant. You have a receiver threat, <laughs> right? All right. Anyway, so 
other NFL interesting matchups? You got a couple in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I I didn't. It, there's a story behind that. You know, I, we usually don't go this in depth into NFL on here, but Friday I just happened to catch uh, the most recent episode of Rich Eisen's podcast. I mean, I rarely listen to that. I mean, it's a three hour show every day, but they, he had a lot of good guests on and the NFL schedule had just come out and he had Al Michaels and Joe Buck and Jim Nance and, and, um, Jonathan Banks, the guy who plays Mike Ehrmantraut and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I mean, just a lot of people I'm interested in <laughs> listening to anyway. So I thought, okay, I'll download this. And then he was, of course he works for the NFL what uh, the NFL network and for NBC sports, but man, they were talking up that schedule and talking up matchups and I was getting really excited. And so I, I thought of a, just a few in the first two weeks that just sounded just, just looking at my chops, thinking about them. You're going to have to explain this first one. Cause I, I don't get it. Okay. Bucks at saints. Is this because of Brady? Yes. Because you don't, I mean, there's not a lot of Brady Breeze battles going on. And I guess that's two, true because they've been separated in NFC, AFC. Yeah. And you've got two, you know, 40 plus year old QBs still playing, still playing really well. You've got the Gronk factor now because Gronk is over in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. And I, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm, I'm excited about that whole storyline. I'm not. I'm su- I'm surprised at how I'm sure I'll follow the Patriots a little bit just because of Stidham and just to see how they do without Brady. But I'm I think I'm more interested in the how does Brady do aspect of it, and I expect him to do really well. So um, already, you know, Tampa Bay is getting more. I think they're getting better coverage on uh, on games on game times and everything. So that was week one right out the gate. That's one I, I would be interested in watching. And then of course, Texans at chiefs. Hold on for, for, for a second. I'm, I'm going to derail you for just Go for, for half a second. Um, coming from a lifelong Cowboys fan, I I've never understood. And I don't really get the Dallas and NFC East affiliation. I, I think geographically makes no sense. Right. And and I think competitively, I think it would be a lot of fun to, to see the NFC East and NFC South kind of shuffle a little bit and put Dallas in the NFC South with New Orleans, with Atlanta and with, I don't want Tampa, but like Carolina. So have those four teams together and then move Tampa into the NFC East and Dallas is a spot. And I think the yeah. NFC South would be just stacked. That that would be a really fun league. Uh, the only downside to that is I think there are a lot of uh, Saints and Cowboys fans who really get along and root root for one another because they don't ever play each other that much, and so then all of a sudden get really cutthroat. Yeah, which I, is I which is great. It. That's what makes sports fun. I because mean, here's you, the thing: I, I, you don't you don't interact with many Eagles fans or Redskins no. or Giants out here. Like nobody cares. Like you're so far geographically disconnected like no let's let's get let's get into the regional like more regionalize that and i i would rather have carolina than tampa yeah i mean out here you see you see broncos stuff saints stuff and texans if you don't see cowboys those those are like the other three you see yeah oh that's for sure all right so (laughs) you're the chiefs your second game texans at chiefs this is obviously the afc championship rematch 
Yeah, you led me right back into it. The um, y'all remember when Mahomes threw, I think, eighteen touchdowns in a row. Uh, <laughs> that was such a fun afternoon. Just like live tweet or like, hey, uh, the Chiefs have scored seven touchdowns in a row now. They they scored again. They scored again, guys. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna tie it up. Oh, they, they took the lead. And they went from like down three to taking the lead at halftime with like five minutes of game clock. Like that. That escalated quickly. Yeah. Um, so that's how they are opening the season, my man. That's a Thursday game. That's the first game of the season. If we get to see these games, you know, obviously. So really looking forward to that. That was a interesting matchup last year. Um, you know, we'll see. I don't know if O'Brien and his posse are getting as much praise as surprisingly Jerry and everyone else is with their offseason moves but uh, it's because I think just the way they ended the season like so many people are like what is O'Brien doing <laughs> yeah I guess you're right that's true that, that just kind of was such a such a horrible horrible way to go out and then you've got two games in week two yeah I just wanted to look at these um, week two this intrigues me. Bengals at Brown. I don't know why. Or Bengals at the Browns. Um, I'm pumped to see Joey Burrow take on Baker Mayfield. That just sounds like Dude, a fun. He's, he's going to whip him. I, it's It just sounds so fun. Um, I mean, I like the kid a lot. He Who, Mayfield or, or Burrow? Burrow. He, he's okay, got good. a lot of, um, you know, Mayfield's fun to hate, to sports hate. I mean, I'm cool with that, but he's and he's hilarious in those <laughs> whatever those insurance commercials are those those are great uh, so I think he's got a good sense of humor but he just doesn't allow it to come out sometimes but Burrow he just seems like he takes everything in stride and is also he's somehow cocky and arrogant at the same time but it's not off-putting I can't I can't put my finger on it well it's because he's he just, got the he just skill what he's and doing. like there's nothing really else about his presence that you're like so his confidence is like, yeah, that's, that's unwarranted, man. Like you didn't do anything or, <laughs> or you're, you're, you're over the top. Like he backed it up with a national title, a Heisman. You're like, dude's good. And, and yeah. like he did it on a team, like he transformed their offense and had one of the most efficient years as a quarterback ever for a team that has never thrown the ball as much as they did last year at, at LSU. Yeah, so like, I, I know. Dude's good, and and I remember, I remember the time when there were talks where he was potentially looking at transferring to Texas Tech, and didn't. We missed out on the Joey Burrow. Oh, man, I, I forget about that little tidbit of trivia. And I, I don't know how seriously like he was involved in that, but like when he announces transfer, I, I know there was some interest there. Well, uh, my um, my next interesting matchup of the week involves the Texans again, which for some reason, I promise you, I'm not obsessed with the Texans, but I really like quarterback matchups because y'all can tell this is basically all this is. But uh, Ravens at Texans, Lamar Jackson coming off a monster year. Just, it, I, mean, I don't even know if monster is enough of a adjective to describe it against Deshaun Watson. Those guys are so fun to watch. And... I mean, it, they could run all over the other teams here and there yep. and, and pass all over them. I mean, whatever. <laughs> they could do it all. 
And I, th- that's just those are four games that I just immediately thought, gosh, I hope we get to see this season, please. And the Cowboys play the Rams in week one. And that's kind of got me tentatively scared and excited. But uh, that's I mean, that's also one that that was on my list, too. But I didn't want to go too heavy on Cowboys because obviously that's who I'm going to root for for the most part outside okay, of Kansas like, City. Like as a Cowboys fan, if you feel like they're non NFC East games, you have you go to the Rams, you host the Falcons, which I've already talked about. Like I, I like those NFC South matchups. You go to Seattle, which I think is, is, is fun. You have the Browns. Meh. Um, you host the Cardinals. So yeah. Kingsbury is going to be back in Dallas. My, my, my friend in Burleson's already like, if, if they, if they have fans, I'm going, he's, he's ready. <laughs> um, you've got the Steelers Cowboys matchup that early November. So like that Super Bowl 30 or whatever it was matchup. Um, Cowboys Vikings, Cowboys Ravens, Cowboys 49ers. Like those are all outside of probably the Browns and the Bengals. Like interesting games to me for non NFC East games. Yeah. And, and you know, that Cowboys Steelers thing, that doesn't mean quite as much to our generation as it does to like our dad's age. Cause I know that my dad, you know, as, as long as I knew him, he, he always, he, he continued his hatred of the Steelers solely because of the seventies. That was, well, uh, he never, uh, cause I, you know, they'd make, they made a couple of Super Bowls in the early aughts and stuff. And I was like, he would ask me, you know, who, who are you going for? What are you thinking? And like, oh, I don't know. I, I think the Steelers might pull it out. And he's like, I don't care. I'm not going for this. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Can't and do it. One of my, one of my earliest memories of like getting into a Cowboys game was that Super Bowl against the Steelers. And I would have oh. been, I don't know. Let me see. When was that Super Bowl 30? Super Bowl. I can type, I promise. Were you alive? It wasn't in the 80s. In the Super Bowl 30. Yeah, it was... um, What was the date on that? 1996. So I would have been six years old. I was going to turn seven. That year. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. 27-17. Oh, you're right. You're totally right. And they Man, I forgot that, who they played that year. I completely forgot. Played it in, uh, in Tempe. Yeah, that's right. Those that probably exercised a lot of demons for uh, people my dad's age, but apparently not enough because he still was not going to root for Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl um, <laughs> over a, you know, a decade later. <laughs> it was like, nope. Nope, still not, still not going to do it. Yeah. All right, one more thing. Uh, I guess we're going to just shift back to t- the college football, Texas Tech, just for a second. Have you been keeping up with the Big Cat and Coach Doug's stuff? Uh, just, just a little bit. I was never that into college football video games because I was terrible at them. And then you guys can attest to oh, how lost I was. He, he is no, is not good either. Well, y'all can y'all can attest to how lost I was on what any of this even meant. I didn't know who Coach Doug's was. I didn't know if it was based on a 
apparently it's based on like some random animated character in the NCAA 14 game. And right. then, and then, and then so, a real guy decided to, to become him. Okay. So here's the thing. So, uh, the player, I, I can't remember his name besides big cat fan or whatever is part of Barstool created this ridiculous looking coach on NCAA 14, uh, as just kind of a bit to do, uh, during this time. Turns out there's a guy that saw all this that looks a lot like the character he created that's yeah. taken on like the the personality, the the in in person persona. Um That's why I was confused because I thought is I was in a chicken egg scenario. I didn't know which came first. So the because the they player, look so much alike. Yeah, the, the the character, the avatar on the game came first. Um, but he's, he's playing it NCAA 14 on Xbox through the career mode for the, the coach. So he started off, um, with Dayton, uh, Toledo. That's who it is. Um, and then he went to, did he go to Florida state and then USC as a coordinator and then to Texas tech as the head coach. Um, anyway, so he, he live streams his games right now. Uh, Coach Duggs is the head coach in Texas Tech. Um, notoriously, he doesn't play defense, which kind of fits here. Um, and he's been like an air raid player, coach, whatever. Um, again, not super skilled on the game itself, but like he gets so invested and emotional in it. Um, part of the the fun and interesting thing to follow was like he's doing this when he like he has a young baby in the house like he does these games when the baby's asleep so like he gets hyped but he's like basically whispering in the mic he's like yeah yeah i got it um it's, touchdown it's, baby touchdown dugs dugs is back um anyways God, i could sympathize with that it's it's been interesting it's frustrating but then it's also like it's so frustrating because it's like he's actually doing a really good job of imitating replicating a Texas tech fan experience, watching him play like, why, why, why did you call that? Why did you run that play? Why are you throwing into coverage? What is happening? Why, why can't you, you stop this screen or whatever three did, times in a row? Why did you give up a big lead? Like it's eerily similar watching him play to like an actual Texas tech fan experience. Um, <laughs> but last night, uh, Tuesday night, whatever it was, he, he defeated Texas. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, he lost a non-conference game versus Florida State. I, I guess he's got this thing with Florida State. Um, well, Florida State was ranked, though. Yeah, he lost a game against Baylor, and he basically yeah. like, he, he wrote them off beforehand, and then got and got beat. Um, but he's four and he two. Still water. And Doug's his back. He, he he won in Stillwater on uh, Oklahoma State missing a game tying field goal as time expired. Oh God, that is so reminiscent of. Tech missing the, the game tying extra point, <laughs> but it went the other way. But some of the uh, graphics had like Coach Doug's face on their big screen instead of Kingsbury's. Yeah, I remember year. that. Or the, or the um, that big screen that had Nick Nolte on it. Yeah, that's no, no, one. not Nick Nolte. Gosh, I, Gary uh, Busey. Gary Busey. Yeah, there it is. Anyways, it, it's it's been interesting, uh, fun for me to follow, and also frustrating to be like you're really bad at this game. Like, why are you streaming it? He's got a huge Twitter following. He's got, when he streams these games, he basically is the number one stream on the Twitch platform. I saw um, that. Yeah. Again, he's not like a gamer. So it's like, it's not because it's just his network on social media, but I'm sure, I'm sure that's the draw is there's, 
probably 70% of the guys watching it are, are saying I could do better than that. And they're not, they're not exaggerating. And so it probably is frustrating and fun to watch because you're like, Oh, well, if at least it's not me up there. Cause I could do yeah. better than that. He's also playing, uh, like the sliders are even, but he's also got like really bad talent on his team. So you, you gotta give him that. Um, and he's not recruiting either. <laughs> so it's not getting better. This is how little I know. I didn't even know there was a recruiting option. Yeah, th- 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 this is one of the one of the. Um, it it wasn't a, an option for very long in these games, like the past few years in that franchise. But um, it, it's it's been interesting to, to follow that. Um, he's he's he plays every other night. He's he's got a pretty regular schedule, and sometimes he'll he'll do a day game. Um, against like a, he played Kansas in the middle of a day once because like nobody cares to watch me hang, hang a hundred on Kansas. <laughs> and I, I don't well, know I if he, he actually played Kansas state too. Yeah. I think he played them today possibly. Yeah. I think, or, or maybe he was just talking up, uh, or talking down about Kansas state. I can't remember. Yeah. All right. So let's, we have one question, but let's, let's get to that now. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Our Red Raider Reset Man sends in, give some, he asks us to give some love to the big uglies of the the offense and defensive line. And he asks us who we think are most overrated or underrated and favorite linemen. Um, for him, he says most overrated was Braden Fajoko, who went undrafted. I would like to point out. That's true. Yeah. Also He's got that ring though. Right. So like it was, it was, I was watching the game and, I, and whenever I, I turned LSU on this season, I was like watching for him. Yes, he played for a national title, but like his effort was the exact same at Texas Tech. Like he was loafing. Um, he was he was in the second string of defensive linemen and was like never seemed to be giving a lot of effort. Um, but he's got a national title. Uh, NFL saw through that though. Did not draft him. Uh, he says underrated Colby Whitlock. He's got to be up there as a fan favorite, obviously for the safety versus Texas in 08, but he was a really solid uh, defensive lineman, defensive tackle, which you ha- just haven't had very many of those really good, talented ones at Texas Tech. You could probably name off like a small handful like Project Washington, Colby Whitlock, Gabe Rivera. Um, and then his favorite player, he's got two, Brandons, Brandon Carter, Brandon Sharp. Um, for me, I think Brandon Sharp was maybe a favorite, but also underrated too. I, I, I know... Like on that 2008 and 2009 defense as a defensive end, he led the team and country in sacks for a while. I think he ended the year with like 16 or 17 sacks, which is a ton. Um, and this was a, a rough McNeil defense that didn't send a lot of pressure either. Like he, it was his skill that um, attributed all that. And then the pairing with Daniel Howard, the other defensive end, um, those two were really good together. Uh, overrated. It's hard, hard for me not to say Fajoko uh, because he came in as the highest recruit ever for Texas Tech, and you have like 
a memory of one or two highlights and then a bunch of like, what are you doing type plays? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a ton to add to that. I mean, Brandon Carter obviously made an impression, all the eye black and the spiky hair. And you know, that was really in the, the pirate leech days. Uh, that, that was probably, he, he may have been my favorite just solely because of how visible he was. I never really watched to see how well he was playing or not, but I know he was a good player. Um, you know, who, who else we got there? Uh, so Waddle maybe one, deserves a mention. One of the other guys on that offensive line with Carter that I think may get over, overlooked because of Carter was Rylan Reed. And he was a guy that was like 27 or 26 years old. He had played minor league baseball in the Yankees organization before coming back to college to play. Um, but he was like just another one of the mountains that were on the offensive line, which I think that year averaged the tallest and the heaviest across the, 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 the country. I think they were all like six, 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 seven, three hundred plus. I think some of them were like three fifty. Um, so the great wall. Yeah. So underrated, overlooked maybe for me would be Rylan Reed. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I can honestly contribute too much to that just because I am not that uh, up to date on my lineman trivia, but I, the the one I remember the most for sure is Carter. Sorry, Reed pitching the White Sox organization. Oh, okay, okay. And then he underwent uh, treatment for cancer and then enrolled at Texas Tech. Wow. So he was kind of our Brandon Wheaton. Ex- yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, Brandon Wheaton didn't go through cancer but he did play a little baseball and then come back and was a heck of a football player too yeah he was the he was a first team all-american tackle in 2008 gosh we had a great line that those couple years 07 08 yeah because you had uh louis vasquez who played professionally nfl for quite a few years he's he's now with the team or has been for a couple years um you had Carter, your center, was that Cown? Is that Justin Cown yet? Or Count? I can't remember. Texas Tech offensive line. <laughs> I got doing all kinds of Googling. Oh gosh, this is not what I wanted it to be. Okay. Hey, quick trivia question for you. Can you name the uh, top three career passing leaders for Texas Tech in terms of yards? Career passing in terms of yards? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in order? No. Or just any of the three? Just any of them. Uh, Harrell? Kingsbury? And... Gosh, who would be the third? I, I, I guess Mahomes wasn't here long enough. It's top four. Simmons. Is it Simmons? No. So, yes, I was lo- lo- looking for top four. It is. It's Harrell, um, Kingsbury. It was Mahomes. And then there's one more that, like, sneaky, I, I just I forgot about him. Because all the guys I think about the passing leaders and all the yards they put up, I was thinking like Simmons and Cumby, and the other one that played a year before Harold. What was his name? 
Cody Hodges? Hodges. So I was thinking about those guys. I was like, no, like they, they had like a ton of yards, but they only played one season. The guys that made the list were, had played several seasons. So you had uh, Kingsbury, Mahomes, who's the last? A Harrell and Daggy. Daggy. Man, you're right. And, and we've talked about it on this podcast, talking about underrated players. I think Daggy was an underrated quarterback. And and you and I, have, we've talked about this. I think most of us on Staking the Plains agree about that. I think we took him for granted quite a bit in retrospect because he was able to do a lot. And he had to adjust to a brand new coaching staff in order to do it. But he had, I mean, he had great talent around him too, though. With uh, was Amaro, Amaro was here at the same time as Daggy. Mm-hmm. So D- Daggy played two thousand nine through two thousand twelve. I think Lao Leong was still around. Um, Eric Ward, of course, one of my all time favorites. Uh, just Grant Torres. I think Jake. Yeah, I mean he he had some really talented guys to work around, but. I mean, ultimately, you got to get the ball to him. So he was, yeah. I did, I did, I don't know why I thought of, didn't think of Daggy. I should have. So in his four seasons, he had two two years as a starter, um, but in his four years at Texas Tech, he has eighty six hundred passing yards. Yeah, because Mahomes finished with was it over five? No, he had five his second year. Was yeah, he had quite a bit. But I knew it had to be. Harold Kingsbury for one and two, and then yeah, Kingsbury has like, or not, not Kingsbury. Harold has got like sixteen thousand. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mahomes' career numbers in three years, two years as a full time starter, has eleven thousand. Gosh, that's insane. Uh, Kingsbury, Texas Tech career stats. Let's see. Um, Kingsbury in his four years, three years as a starter has 12,000 yards. So he almost like Mahomes almost passed Kingsbury in two years. Yeah. Graham Harrell. Everybody loves to hear the on air Google searching. That's what I do. And then Graham Harrell had just under 16,000 and he did that in three years as a starter. So his one year he didn't start. He only had 400 yards. So he had 15,400 yards in three years. That's insane. So average, he averaged, average, averaged 5,000 a year. <laughs> including 2007 where he had 5,700 yards. Well, Mahomes averaged 5,000-ish. 5,500, really. You said it was 11 and change, right? Uh, in, in three years. But like the one year where he was a partial starter, he had 1,500 yards. So yeah, he averaged, okay. like he only had one season of greater than 5,000. It was 50, 52. He had a 46, Man. 53, and then a 1,500. Um, but yeah, so like 2007 was my first year as a Tech fan. I did not know what I was... How spoiled I was to be watching Graham Harrell and Crabtree start that, um, you know, because he had a completion percentage of almost 72%, 5,700 <laughs> yards, 48 touchdowns. 
Like he, Graham, Har- like as good as the team was in 2008, Harrell was better in, in 2007. I, I remember the, the whole, uh, 07 and 08, uh, the thing that they ta- one of the things that they love to talk about the most about Colt McCoy was his pass completion percentage. And Harrell was like right there. Harrell's was right there, and he threw almost twice as much. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't uncommon for McCoy to throw eighteen passes. Harrell may throw eighteen passes in a quarter in the first three drives. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> so really quickly in those two years, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, Harrell threw for ten thousand eight hundred yards. And 93 touchdowns to 23 interceptions. That's not bad. I'd take that again. So interceptions is the one category he improved on from 2007, 2008. He threw 14 in 27, 2007, and only nine in 2008. How many did he throw in 06? 11. Yeah. Okay. That did, that was that was I thought it was going to be more than fourteen. It just seemed like 06 was rough. And, and everybody remembers, but and I think it's because he had that game against Colorado where he like threw three. Yes, or whatever it was, it was like booing him out of the stadium. All right, sorry. Yeah. The, the other other lineman that year in two thousand eight, uh, Marlon Wynn was one that would have been playing. Uh, Chris Olson may have played a little bit. Stephen Hamby, I think, was the the center. Uh, Justin Cowan was only a sophomore at the time, so he probably didn't play. Brandon Carter, Mickey Okafor was only a freshman. Lonnie Edwards was a freshman. Um, a lot of guys that played like a long time, like were freshmen that year. They're like, man, he, I can't believe he was part of that team. Uh, Louis Vasquez, like, like we said. Yeah. Um, but like guys like Terry McDaniel was on that team. Um, Everett Gallington was on that team. Uh, Mickey, Mickey Okafor and Lonnie Edwards were on that team. These are guys that played a lot of snaps down the road, played behind guys like Carter and Reed and Wynn and Vasquez. Anyways, it's a great trip down memory lane. Thanks, Red Raider Reset Man. I don't really have anything for going yard. It's it's been a it's been a weird spring. Yeah, I, I would agree with that <laughs> to say the least. All right, let's let's wrap this up and get to what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right, Michael, what did we learn? I learned that the uh, the little round racetrack. That's two miles from my house. I was having a sprint, a sprint car series in the middle of the damn week yeah. this week. Tuesday night, going all the way to eleven o'clock. Oh yeah, at, at least I th- I, we could hear him past that. And I was thinking you probably could hear him too because you're probably south of them, but still about two miles away. And my mom lives north of me, and she can hear them. So the, we had people on our next door app who had just moved in going, what is that? <laughs> and we're all like, welcome to the neighborhood. They, they do racing during the spring and it's usually, it's usually Friday and Saturday, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. But no, they were doing some special thing. Yeah. On a Tuesday night. I remember thinking like, what are they doing? Like they, they, they must've just gotten approved to do it. And you're just like, let's go, let's go do it today. 
Yeah, it was it was some weird special thing because it was going to be a two night thing, and they had already started at six or six thirty. I when I got home today, and then I guess probably to try to beat the rain, but then it rained them out anyway. So I think they had to cancel tonight, which I'm really just upset about. I'm so I'm so torn up about it. Yeah, so the racetrack is just north of 1585, and it's just east of 27. <clears throat> and obviously we in our neighborhood are just south of 1585 and university. Yeah. And I'm um, just North of 1585. Yeah. You're, you're up there a couple miles north of me. So like it's, it's between our houses North South wise and a couple miles in the East of us. But like, well, they may be outside the city limits and where they're able to make that kind of noise. Like the sound is definitely in <laughs> the city limits. Oh, big time. And it's like, guys, what do you do? Like it's a weeknight. <laughs> what are we doing? I know. I know. I, I mean, we really, and it, it's weird. It, it starts up and just gets really loud for like two minutes and then it stops. And then, it, it, then they do it again. I don't know if they're doing heats or if someone had a wreck or, or what's going on, but it's, it's deafening almost because <laughs> yeah, you just, just felt like, felt like someone picked up the track and moved it, you know, three houses down. Yeah. It, it's a lot louder than, than you would think it is being how far away. And this is something like I, I grew up, as I grew up, when my family moved um, before my junior year of high school, we, we moved probably closer than we are now to a, a, a similar dirt style racetrack. And that first summer we were there, we were like, what is happening? <laughs> <clears throat> it seems like this one's louder, but I think it's because there's a lot more trees between my, my parents' house and the racetrack in, in Dallas than there are here. Um, yeah, so I, I would say what I learned is my my affection for barbecue is just it's unsatiated, unsatiated, oh, okay. insatiable, insatiable. Are we about to get a, the explicit tag? No. Um, okay. One. So I I made the trip out one one Saturday all the way out to Slayton to smoke rings and pitchforks and smoke rings, and it was the second time we've, we I, I'd been. Um, and I got a three meat plate to share and I got ribs, sausage and brisket. And Oh my word. It was so good. I have, I am so, I'm so jealous because I've been dying to get out there and hopefully we'll get to do that in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm really trying to make a point to, to get there. Dude, it's, it's, it's nice. They are doing the same kind of drive through pickup as, as we've seen basically anywhere else. Um, and they are, their restaurant is an old, uh, converted gas station. Really? The, the family I've that owns seen some it, of the photos. I didn't know if it was a converted gas station or a cotton gin, but either way, I thought this is great. It, it's <laughs> across the highway from a cotton gin. Okay. Um, maybe that's why I got confused, but they are, they, they have again, one of the, the smaller operations, but some of the best barbecue, I would say here in town. Um, the shack I, I saw had closed down for a while and it has reopened. Uh, yep. and Evie Mays has remained open. They, they've figured out how to serve large quantities of brisket or not, not just brisket, but barbecue in this time. Um, but yeah, uh, it's even gone so far as like, I've, I've probably smoked two or three racks of ribs and I want to do like a brisket again. And then, then realize like I can't get a 15 pound brisket for the three of us in this house. That's, well, if you, it's too much you, and it's, it's so expensive now. Yeah. I was about to say, even if you did, you would, you would pay like a hundred dollars for it. But speaking of a hundred dollar brisket, I don't know if you've seen it. Red Raider Meats sells Wagyu brisket now. 
at nine dollars a pound. <sighs> so you're looking at spending almost two hundred dollars on a brisket that then just, you would cook and that hopefully you don't mess up. <laughs> I I don't I, I'm I'm sure there is a difference and someone could pick it out. I don't think I could pick it out, but I think reserving your cost per pound ratio for stuff that you cook the shortest or the least is, is more important. Like I I would rather pay more per pound for a a New York strip or a ribeye as opposed to those are expensive too. And I know, know, but, but like paying four times three or four times what you pay per pound for a normal brisket when you've got to buy 16 pounds of it. And then you've, and then you're going to cook it for 16 to 20 hours. I mean, I just don't know. I think the method almost trumps the, the meat to some extent. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm talking way out of my league here. It's probably because I, I haven't done a whole lot of like side by side experimenting and, and, and tried the different grades of beef and uh, for like a, a long cook, like, like brisket, but like, I don't know if I'd be able to tell the difference in a brisket that's cooked really well, but like a lower grade versus a a higher quality. Anyways, that's what I learned. Yeah. The other thing I learned just quickly, I am about, let's see, I'm about three fourths of the way through the fourth Harry Potter book. And Harry has survived the first two tasks of the Triwizard Tournament, and he's he's yet to start the third, but that's coming up soon. So I may read about that shortly, and we'll we'll see if he survives. We'll see if he makes it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been a, it's been a rough man. It's been a rough go. The, the, that fourth year of Hogwarts is whew, it's a yeah. doozy, man. He's got that tournament to get through. <laughs> yeah, um, we have restarted the X-Men movie series. Um, and we just watched, uh, origins, X-Men origins, Wolverine. And then the one where he ends up in, in Japan. I can't remember the, the name of that one. If it's the same or not. It sounds like the same. Cause I haven't okay, seen that one. <laughs> well, so it's, it's not the one where, where he's, he's, you know, with striker and then gets the, the adamantium replacement, whatever. Um, but it's the one after that. Anyway, we, we watched that. We're working through it. This was, um, the movie series that Samantha wanted to watch after we finished star Wars. And we've been a little, a little slower doing these. Um, but probably going to pick that up here pretty soon. Anyways, thanks again for joining us on another episode of the 23 personal podcast. Um, for Michael and Spencer, we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.